This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to episode 58 of the podcast where we give you an inside look into aviation careers. I'm here today with a frequent co-host, Tom Wachowski, and Tom's been on hiatus for a little while. And welcome back, Tom. How are you? I'm great, Carl. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be back behind the mic and on the show. It's been awesome, though, I hear. You've been doing a lot of flying. And uh, just before we get started, where, where are you today and what kind of cool flying you've been doing lately? Yeah, so I'm at a major airport on the East Coast and uh, flying has been, you know, our flying kind of goes in these, I call them trimesters. And so uh, we've kind of coming to the end of a, a somewhat busy trimester. And it's been uh, everything from big airports uh, like I'm at today all the way down to 5,000 foot uh, GPS and high terrain airports. So we've been kind of getting a good variety of stuff and, uh, you know, doing the different type of airports and different airspace and different approaches. Uh, it, it's always fun because it's something new. So we've been uh, kind of doing the full spectrum of stuff lately. Well, you know, I, I like to always start this off with something really cool and, and something we've had fun doing as in this career. Because, you know, there's so much negativity out there in, in mm. this career and others. And, you know, Tom, I got to do something really cool this week. It, it was awesome. This is the one thing about my job. is that Actually, it's probably the, my favorite thing about this job other than the flying. Yes. I went out to San Francisco, and a friend of mine lives in San Francisco. And she picked me up. And drove me around for the whole day and showed me all over the city. Yes. And I took pictures. I put them on my Facebook page, shared it with my family and my friends. And I just had a blast. So it wasn't so much the flying. The flying was great. It was a beautiful day flying, no weather. That's what I like. But it was, it was almost like, hey, we got up and went to San Francisco to visit the town and came back home. So that was just one of the, the most awesome things about flying is some of the places you get to visit totally yeah that bad. that is cool. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts too that kind of adventure side of it. i did something similar though we were just down for a few hours up uh, near seattle and i said you know let's get in the car crew car and let's just go for a drive and we found this little coastal drive and it was just awesome we, we found a little beach to spend 10 minutes at and those types of things you know getting out away from the airplane the airplane got you there but then getting out of the airplane and seeing the sights is it is a highlight cool Hey, you just mentioned something. Uh, it's called a crew car. What's that mean? Yeah, so a lot of times, you know, we go when we go to these airports, we park at these small FBOs and uh, versus the airline gates where where you typically park, I would imagine. Yes. In any event, a lot of times we need a way to get, you know, go pick up some lunch or to go get some uh, items for the passengers or to just go for a drive if we have time. And so the FBO will have a car that they'll let us use for free, uh, and and is usually as long as we you know pay our ramp fees and buy some gas or whatever it might be. But that's what a crew car is. It's simply a car for the crew. And they come in many sizes and shapes and <laughs> yes. colors, don't they? Yes, they do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was at one place that had one of those old uh, Chevy, you know, the pickup type trucks. And uh, yep. wow, it was all beat up and everything. And I, I was like, wow, I'm driving this around. And uh, it had air conditioning. They, what do they call it? Kentucky air conditioning where you put right. the windows down. And it was it was a lot of fun. Great, great fun getting. It, you never know what you're going to get. Some have really elaborate and nice crew cars. Yeah, I actually had a, a five series Beamer once. That wow. was pretty cool. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Tom, let's get started with some of the questions. We have uh, quite a few. Actually, we've got about 16 pages worth of questions Yes, here. let's do it. So let's let's move on. But first, before we start, a quick uh, 
word from our sponsors. A couple, two sponsors for this episode. And uh, the first one is actually going to be Audible and uh, audibletrial.com slash careers. Audibletrial.com slash careers. And Audible is a service where you can download pre-recorded books, you know, books on tape. I use it a lot uh, because I like to keep motivated. As a matter of fact, I drive really far to go to work and I listen to the audio books and that keeps me motivated to do this and all those other things in life. Not only that, I learn things about history, learn things about life in general, and every so often I'll, I'll pop a fiction in there. So if you like the podcast, you want to help support us, just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. You can, you know, go to the right side and click on the audible icon. You can also go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash Audible. Also, if you just want to type it in, type in audibletrial.com slash careers. And we're also going to be putting up, we don't have it up there yet, but hopefully by the time this comes out, we're starting a reading list. And we're going to have an audio books and also another reading list out there. I know a lot of you folks have been asking for that, so we'll have that out there. The other thing I want to draw your attention to is the scholarships guide. We've been working really hard on this, and it's growing. Uh, the online, the offline directory is, is rather large, hundreds and hundreds of scholarships. The online directory, though, is actually about to surpass the 60 mark. And after 60, basically, if, if you want to see 10 of them for free, you can just look at the website. The next 50, you can see for free if you register, become a registered user. That doesn't cost anything. After that, you can either purchase a month's access for $5 or a year access for $50. And, and when you do that, if you purchase the year access, you get to see the scholarships guide, which has all the different scholarships in there. And each of these scholarships have been actually researched. We vet the scholarships. We have a single page, kind of like a Craigslist of scholarships. And, and you can go out there and look at the what you need to do to get that scholarship and also where the application is and how to apply. Uh, but once we get to that level, you know, of over 60, you're gonna, you know, we're going to have an access uh, for that that's uh, paid access. But the other neat thing is you get the Pilot Jobs book, which is actually uh, one of Tom Wachowski's <laughs> creations, yes. and it's an awesome, awesome guide. And uh, it's basically it teaches you how to put together a pilot jobs book so that you can uh, actually find yourself a job. It's an awesome thing. And uh, just check out the free video to see if you, you might be interested in that. The other thing we have, of course, is the, uh, the practical guide to winter flying. That's also free. Coming up, by the way, with that, we're doing that right. We're putting together some more videos right now that are in included in the annual membership. And those are going to be things like uh, like I did a safety seminar, that type of thing. I'm going to include those on this website. So what I've been doing is, as I think most of you know, maybe not, maybe I should mention this, I do a lot of lecturing, and I do a lot of safety uh, seminars for the FAA and for other organizations. Well, I've started recording those, and I'm going to make those available on the website and have somebody editing them now. So we'll see how they turn out. Uh, I'd, I'd like your feedback once I put them up there. I'd like to see what you think about them. So anyway... Let's move on to the to the actual meat of the show, as we call it, uh, and start with our, our first question here. First question says, hello. Uh, oh, and by the way, before we get started, if you do have a question, go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact and fill out the form there. There's also feedback at aviationcareerspodcast. You can send us an email. And uh, we'll read your question online. We'll uh, de-identify it. In other words, take your name out of it, unless you want us to mention your name. We'll do that. And uh, we'll... You know, try to keep away all the personal information. So if you hear your question being read and you notice there's things missing, I've primarily taken out all that personal information so uh, that you want me to take out of there. So let's get on with the first question. Here it is. It says, hello, I need to know if you can provide my son uh, with services or recommend someone. Uh, be, and he wants to get his private pilot's uh, license. I won't go through the whole thing here as far as the details, but 
Uh, this person wants to know if they can find a, an instructor who can teach them from the heart, as okay. it's said. Uh, wants a real professional instructor. You know, are there any lists? Uh, what are the costs per hour and days and times that they're open for your training? So this person really wants somebody who's good, a really good instructor for their son. And, and this is what I think you should do. And you know, I'll have this in the show notes at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash 58. I'll have links to these. There's uh, two organizations. Uh, actually, the third one is an organization, but it's more of a magazine. First organization is safepilots.org. I have a link to that, and that's actually an organization of flight instructors. There's a lot of what they call master CFIs in there, and they're, they're one of the people, one of the organizations that issues the master CFI. The next one, which is NAFI, nafinet.org, that's the National Association of Flight Instructors. They also uh, issue uh, the master flight instructor. I actually was uh, able to, I had the designation of master CFI for two years. That's how long the designation lasts. Then you have to renew it. Fortunately, I went to the airlines. I wasn't able to teach as much. But these are people that are really, really interested in flying, both at Safe Pilots and in Navinet. Excuse me, in, in instructing. I really highly recommend it. And they give you all sorts of great information about how to find an instructor. You know what? If you find a master instructor in your area, you know they're passionate about teaching. And that's the kind of person it sounds like you want to be teaching your son. There's also another general uh, uh, tool that you can use for finding instructors. One of the one of my favorite magazines is Flight Training Magazine. As a matter of fact, the next episode, if everything goes okay, we're scheduled to have Ian Twombly, who's the editor of Flight Training Magazine, on to tell you all about flight training careers and what Flight Training Magazine can do for you. But they have this great resource for finding a CFI. It's at flighttraining.aopa.org and talks about learning to fly, the, how to find flight schools. I have a link to the, the CFI search, so I'll put that out there. So if you're looking for an instructor, that's where you should go. Well, I appreciate the question. It's, that was a great question. And uh, Tom, is there any other directors that you may want to uh, talk about? Uh, these are the th three big ones that I know of. You know, I don't have a directory, but I think the main directory would be, you know, interviewing these different instructors. Uh, you can find out a lot about them just by spending a few minutes and seeing if you click. You know, a directory might lead you down to maybe three or five of them, but then go spend some time with them. And maybe on out of five, you go fly with three, and out of those three, you pick one that you really click with that has that heart that you're looking for. <laughs> good advice, good advice. Thanks so much. And uh, moving on to our next question, uh, and by the way, again, those links will be on the website. Moving on to the next question, we have an aviation career switch at 33 years old. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> it's about when I switch careers. It says, Carl, I'm a big fan of Stuck Mike Avcast and now recently the Aviation Careers Podcast. For those that you don't know, the Stuck Mike Avcast is another podcast uh, that I have that we talk about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. It's all about general aviation primarily. It's not so much careers, but it's a lot of fun. And uh, we go over certain topics and do interviews, and we have picks of the week, all sorts of fun stuff. It's really just a, just a bunch of people passionate about flying. A lot, a lot of fun. So I encourage you to go to stuckmikeavcast.com. Continuing on, it says, I am sure you've received and discussed this question many times over, each with your own nuances, but would love to get your thoughts on a full-on career switch into aviation at 33. I have a career in corporate finance and make very good living, just not fulfilling. Aviation has always been my passion. Waited longer than I should have to come to this inflection point, but corporate America's golden handcuffs have kept me from coming to this fork in the road earlier. My long-term goals are to do corporate, charter, contract, freight flying, and one day possibly have my own charter, freighter, contract company. 
or even own a flight school. Right now, I don't have any interest in going to the regionals or the major carrier route. For some reason, that just does not appeal to me. However, I've been taught never to say never. <laughs> and that's a, a very good thing to know. Oh, and by the way, the fact that some of these are repeats, that's that's okay, the questions. Uh, it's good to, to keep these in the minds of people because there's a lot of people going through the same thing that you're going through. And everything is nuanced. So so please, if you have a question you think is a repeat, send it in. Uh, there's something I'm sure that's specific about your situation that will resonate with one person out there. And that, that really does help somebody else. Uh, so please send in all your questions. They're all good ones. He continues, says, the biggest thing I struggle with currently is walking away from a very high-paying job into a field that has historically been known to have very low wages, as well as my current age with only 160 hours. I'm sure this is a common theme. It sure is. <laughs> I realize I'm not going to make anywhere near what I currently am making. However, as long as I can provide for my family and make a decent living four to five years out, I would be fine. My wife tells me to follow my passion or my heart, which is what I want to desire, what I want and desire. She actually did the same thing. She changed her corporate job to something she really enjoys. What weighs on me the most is making sure I can provide for my family while doing what I love at the point in my life. If I was 23, this would be an easier decision. <laughs> it sure would. There's no encumbrances at 23. Uh, all that being said, would love to get your advice as well as potential thoughts on the path forward. Not sure if I should go to the ATP type school route and get the instrument through CFII and teach to build hours. Stay locally with a Part 61 or 141 through uh, school and go through the instrument commercial multi and focus on that full time, all while not working potentially. And look for some contract type work to build hours and move up that way ultimately to my ATP. My current career has me traveling four to five days per week. That's a lot. Working an average 75 hours per week with little time to train or fly the way I want and need to transition into the aviation field. I know ideally the preference would be to try and work while building hours and ratings on the side. Unfortunately, my current career does not allow me to do that in a manner that would be cost effective. I feel like I need to jump in 100% and make this happen. If I'm going to do it, with some part-time work on the side to keep some income coming in. Thanks again for being such a great resource, and look forward to hearing from you. Not sure if a phone call is easier or email for a follow-up. Uh, as far as a phone call, it's, it's kind of tough for me to do phone calls because I do work seven days a week, and I'm, I'm out of the country quite a bit. Email is perfect because uh, I can always get email no matter what country I'm in. Boy, there's a lot here, and, and as far as jumping in 100%, man, I did it. And it was, it was a little scary at first. And but I didn't have all the things you had. What I did is I paid off all of my loans, and I just jumped in and said, "Okay, I'm going to do this." I think what you need to do is is make sure, and you know this, to be you know have a good financial base, have a really good financial base. And I think Tom, you'd probably agree with that one. Yeah, and he is in a career in corporate finance now, so that shouldn't be and you know hard for him to put all this down on paper from a numbers standpoint and take a look at it from that angle before maybe moving on to the other things to look at, like fulfillment, et cetera. Yeah, they, I think um, one of the things that I found when I jumped into this career is that I didn't make hardly any money at first. We've talked about this in past episodes. One of the more important things about finding a job, instructing especially, if that's what you're going to do, uh, and and doing any kind of flying is to have a good marketplace, have mm. a marketplace where you can find people that are going to want to learn how to fly. Certain areas, even they can be a hundred miles away from an airport, 
they'll be dead, tired, and they'll be out there, and there's nothing going on. Then you come over to the cities, and you see that the flight instructors are, are just going, and they're they're making really good money because of the fact that they're teaching all the time. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, in the cities, a lot of times what I hear, especially the bigger cities, is that they can't quit their instructing jobs because they're making too much money. Right. And, and it's like, really? You know, but yeah, yeah, a lot of it, especially when they go to the regionals and, and the corporate jobs. I know the corporate jobs actually start a little bit higher. And Tom, you can actually talk towards this a little bit better. But, you know, with a, with a, a regional, you might make as much as $25,000 a year, which is pretty good your first year. I think in corporate, it's a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I think most people in corporate start probably at the 40 to 50 range as a right seat in a light to medium jet. That, that's what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I've experienced in my career when I moved over to the corporate side. And so, yeah, you, you can. it's easier to itch out a living in corporate, I think, than the regional route. And he had mentioned earlier that he didn't really want to go the regional route. So, uh, you know, and, and I also noticed that he, um, and he, I don't think that uh, we mentioned this, but he is from the Detroit area. So that's, you know, I'm from the Detroit area. And I know for a fact, there's a lot of opportunities up there with different, you know, he mentioned cargo or, or different, uh, kind of the corporate side of aviation where you might make a little bit more money and be able to drive to work versus having to commute to a regional base. Um, those are all factors to take into account as well. But yeah, you can, you can make more money, I think, in the corporate side. Yes, yes, most definitely. As a matter of fact, just to drive that home, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine who just can't get on with a major airline. And I said to him, I said, boy, you know, it must be tough for you taking this big pay cut. And he says to me, he says, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you've been at the regionals for like seven years. And you must be yeah. really taking a huge pay cut. He says, no, actually my <laughs> first year at the major is a pay raise. You know, wow. He was, uh, he was at the regionals, I think, what, seven or eight years in the right seat, and he was making about 45000 a year after <sighs> seven or eight years. Jeez. Uh, that's, all, that's a long it – all, it's all about timing. You know, he never yeah. was able to upgrade. And, and a week before he got his notice that he was upgrading to captain, he gets a call from a major and then heads over there. Isn't that how it works? <laughs> it's always how it works. It's incredible. <clears throat> but well, anyway, thanks for that question. There, there's. A, I would jump in with both feet. I am definitely the type of person that does that. But you have to do it responsibly, and it sounds like you will do that. Uh, it's great to have a spouse that's that's supporting yes. you in such a thing. Uh, it's that's tough to find. And, yep. Um, I know, uh, just from my background, that you know, having, you know, before I had, you know got married in this past year i had quite a few relationships that were down the tube because of the low wages i was making here i'm working all this I'm like when are you gonna get a job that pays well and uh, it wasn't until i actually became a captain with a regional that actually paid fairly well so yes i i know the stress that can put on your relationship in your life when you're not making a lot of money and uh, but you got to stick it out if it's what you want to do you got to find someone that that's uh, who's going to be your partner along the path i think it's like i uh I tell my kids all the time, uh, don't ask if it'll be hard, ask if it'll be worth it. Yes. Yes, that's good. Don't ask if it'll be hard, ask if it'll be worth it. I think you have a title for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> the, <laughs> anyway, the next the next question comes along. It says, hi, Carl. Congrats on picking up Stuck Mike Avcast. And by the way, I, I think I mentioned this. I actually purchased Stuck Mike Avcast uh, about a month and a half ago. He says, I listen to both the podcasts and on a regular basis and very much enjoy the group at Stuck Mike. Len Costa is a phenomenal host. It's, it's too bad to see him go, but as a frequent traveler myself, I can understand the need for adventure. Len Costa, the host of Stuck My Cavcast, he's actually uh, he's got a blog. It's called Check for Life, and he's going around the world. I think he's in, in, in or Nepal right now is where he is, and he's going to take about 
he's basically kind of retired, and he's going to take, uh, I think, four years to the rest of his life traveling around the world. Jeez. As long as he can get, get some money along the way. It's pretty interesting. So if you get a chance, I'll have a link to that Trek for Life uh, on the uh, podcast so you can take a look at his, his uh, travels. The per- uh, I continue with the email. The purpose of my email is to get your opinion on whether the tragic Malaysian Airlines accident may create similar downturn in the aviation industry as 9-11 did in the early 2000s. Um, I don't think so. First off, I understand that these two unfortunate events are different by nature. However, given the amount of confusion in the Malaysian 370 investigation to date, it's clear the world is now pushing industry leaders and governments for changes in flight tracking, cockpit monitoring, and airport security, to name a few. Looking at all of this from a business standpoint, the cost of addressing and implementing these changes will be substantial. And as an outsider looking in, I can't help but wonder if the aviation industry is in a form another is in for another downturn until these issues are resolved. To add to this, it looks like Lufthansa is going to go on strike for higher pilot salary, and I'm wondering if this may encourage similar carriers to do the same. And this might add to the pressures of change to the industry. I'm not trying to open the pilot wage debate here, but I'm simply asking your opinion of all this as someone who's experienced in the industry. On a more personal note, I'd like to contribute to your what have you done lately. Uh, you know, I always say what do one step and figure out what you've done lately. Uh, and so that's what he's going to do here. He says he's proud to say that he started his flight training on January 11th, January 11th, soloed on February 9th. And wow. If the weather holds up here in southern Alberta. I should be able to complete my private pilot license by the end of April. It's been a hectic three months as I'm doing all my training while working full-time. But I can honestly say that every time I shut the plane down, I'm ready, looking forward to my next flight. It hasn't been all roses and sunshine, mind you. I've properly scared myself a few times already, <laughs> and I'm amazed at how much there is to learn. I've got a newfound found respect for pilots, all pilots, hobbyists, commercial alike. Keep up the good work, Carl, and as always, look forward to the next episode. Well, gosh, you know, thank, thanks so much for that, that email. And as far as the Malaysian, I think it brings to light, just like every other incident in aviation, it brings to light some shortcomings in aviation. Um, I know some CEOs of certain airlines have said, you know, there is no reason that we cannot uh, have tracking of our aircraft at all times. And, and you're right, there isn't with the technology we have. It's the, it's the cost of implementation that'll be tough. And, you know, that's one of the things that I, you know, I've said, you know, I do some work with some, some news stations, is that, you know, what, what amazes me is what people don't realize about aviation and the fact that when we're over the water, people don't see us. I mean, we're, on, we're not in radar contact, and we're making reports. And, you know, some of these are automated, and, yes, there's devices out there that can track us. But for the most part, you know, people don't know where we are unless we actually tell them where we're going to be. And, and that's just how it works over the tracks over the water. Is that going to change? I think so. Uh, I don't think I'm worried too much about it because normally when they do make changes – to regulations, they're incremental. I'll give you a good example. This 1,500-hour rule came out a while ago, and they're implementing it on a step-by-step basis. And the things that they've discovered aren't good, they've actually changed. That's the government. So, no, I don't I don't think that's going to be an issue. And as far as pushing towards a downturn, say, with strikes and wages, etc., I, I think a normal business cycle, we're looking at a downturn eventually, uh, that's just going to happen, period. Uh, you... But that shouldn't be the reason you go into a certain career field. It should be because that's what you really want to do. I mean, I've I've been in aviation during a day. I was hired uh, in April of 2001 with an airline. In September, I lost my job. And it took me two and a half years to get that job back. Uh, so, yeah, 
Yeah, it's uh, you should always be prepared for any downturn, not just the one. And uh, and the other thing that you brought up is this pilot wage debate. Um, gosh, yeah, I I know you've heard me on this show, and I I, I really uh, disagree with uh, some of the people saying that the pilot shortage has to do with the low starting wages. Uh, you talk all the guys that I talk to that are captains making over two hundred thousand a year have all told me the same thing that they started at a low wage and and it really wasn't a deterrent for them and they made it to where they are because they stuck it out you know they've been flying 15 years 20 years and now they're making really good money and enjoying it so uh, pilot wages starting they're low uh, so are internships I don't <laughs> think that's that's stopping people from getting into aviation I really don't what yeah, you, you see all the people uh, that are writing into the show who would love to be airline pilots. I don't, you know, that's not going to be a major factor, I think, for those who really want it. You know, they, there's that saying, uh, not to get on a sayings kick here, geez, but, uh, you know, if you, if you, how does it go? If you um, have a why, you'll figure out a how, you know, and, and if people really want this career, they'll figure out how to survive on the low pay in the beginning, like I did, like you did, Carl, like a lot of us do. And so I don't think that's going to, you know, and he said not to get on the pilot wage debate, but I don't think that's going to be a deterring factor. And and on his question about, you know, the Malaysia incident and the strikes and all these different things affecting, you know, the ability to have a career in the aviation, I echo what you say, Carl. I think it's the macroeconomic environment that you have to look at. You know, when there's been big downturns in aviation, it's been because you've seen huge economies take a turn, not just one isolated or two isolated events. It's been, unless those events affected the economy, like maybe September 11th, but they've, the isolated events, I, I I don't see those alone um, making it a, you know, a downturn in the career. No, no. I think that, that, you know, you look at 9-11 and that was a, a huge, you know, watershed moment. And that's where we've actually changed direction in the industry f- throughout the whole world. This type of event, I don't, I don't think is like that. I think people are starting to realize that uh, security is important and there are some unknowns in life. I think that whole Malaysian accident keeps playing out because of the fact that it's, it's, it's so dazzling to people and it's so exciting mm. to hear it. And it, and it sells newspapers and it sells yep. news. And I think that's why you're hearing it all the time. And it reminds people of a fictitious show that they've seen on TV. So mm-hmm. I think that's that's another part of that that plays. It really plays into people's imaginations. I know, honestly, um, I, I'm very fascinated by shipwrecks. And I kind of think it's somewhat similar. I'm sitting here thinking, gosh, you know, I'd always, I'd like to know what happened to that plane or that that boat that went down and uh, I'm still looking at some of those to this day and and I say to myself you know they've they've already closed the book on this shipwreck but I'm still interested in studying that so there's some fascination with the unknown that's a big part of that but anyway thanks for the question I think that was terrific and uh, I really uh, think that you're going in the right direction and can't wait to hear more about your path forward so keep us keep in touch let us know how you're doing Let's see, the next question coming in, it says, Hi, Carl, just managed to listen to your latest podcast on the way home today. (laughs) I must say I feel really pumped at the moment after listening to you and Eric, of course. Kind words of encouragement. That's Eric Crump. Uh, He also is another co-host that's on the show every so often. I hope that my story can help someone else out there. And, of course, here's my homework. Since we last spoke, I've canvassed every flight school in the Sydney area regarding both instructor courses and employment opportunities after competing the instructor, or excuse me, completing the instructor certificate, I've narrowed down my choices to two schools, and even managed to quite a few people saying to call me uh, 
call them as soon as I complete the certificate to line up for an interview. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I also renewed my, my and flew my check ride to getting ready for my instrument rating renewal, which went well. A few year, a few areas to brush up on, and as always, by my instructor, seems happy. Uh, you need to renew your IFR certificate every 12 months in Australia. You're not sure you need to do that in the uh, USA. In the U.S., it's a little different. You just have to keep current. Uh, some uh, it depends on the operation, but there are operations where you do have to go through a check ride uh, every 12 months, uh, especially you know obviously with the airlines, but uh, some other uh, private just because they're insurance they make you go through a check ride. Um, and then <laughs> he says, "Oh yeah, you are right about Foster's yuck. Something <laughs> more like this is definitely the go." Uh, we I, in one of the podcasts I talked about Foster's and and uh, my friends Grant McCarran and all the, the the folks on playing crazy down on there. They they said you know <laughs> they were like that's not real beer. I mean I, I I that's one thing by the way I love about my job. I try beers from all over the world and all over the country. So I definitely want to make it down to Australia. He says, he continues, also, if you're serious about coming to Australia, try to aim to come down during the summer, October through March. The days are long and the sun is warm. Mm. Uh, actually, he said it's really hot. He says, thanks again to you and Eric. Well, you're welcome. And I, I will try to come down there. It's just what's happened with Stuck Mike and, and doing this podcast and also aviationscholarshipsguy.com. I've been so busy. You know, I you know I tell people that the days off are terrific with the airline, but, boy, do I, I spend a lot of time working on my website. So there's a lot of other pilots like me that are out there that do another career, you know, just uh, work on some other job. I, I'm sure you, you've met people like that, Tom. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would say it's um, maybe even the norm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because uh, uh, a lot of people worry about losing their certificate. Uh, yeah. So they get themselves in a financial position where they don't have to worry. You know, I, I've actually flown with a couple of folks that have told me if they lost their job, it wouldn't matter. Yep. They've set yep. themselves up that, you know, all they have is they have a house, they have a certain amount of money in the bank they can live on for a really long time. They don't live in a fancy house. Uh, some have toys. Uh, one of the guys I work with, he has three airplanes. Wow. And, uh, yeah, one for traveling, one for flying upside down, and, and another one just because <laughs> he likes having it. And so, you know, if you, that, that's, that's a neat thing to have, but you can always sell those things, and he pays cash for mm. all of them. And that's, that is the best way to be financially, is if you can do something like that. You become, you know, it's interesting. I, I was in business most of my life. And one thing I noticed about finances with, with pilots is that you really should act as if you're in a business. In other words, that's even right. though you can afford to buy the Mercedes, go out and buy the Ford and pay cash for it because it's cheaper. Uh, they and, and, you know, there's some debate as to whether you pay cash or not. But be able to, to really... Be able, you know, put yourself in a position where you can do that. You know, that don't uh, don't overspend. The problem with pilots, though, is that we we have this lifestyle, we have this persona that we feel we have to fulfill. And I I have friends like this too, and they they go out, they buy the big yacht, they buy the big car, and, and you know what? Those are just things. Those are toys. Uh, and having them in cash is a much better way to be. Yep. Uh, and sometimes that's tough to do. And, and trust me, <laughs> I've flown with guys that you know making two hundred grand a year that that uh, they have no money at the end of the paycheck. <laughs> it's incredible. And that could be true of anybody. Make, if you made a million a year. Believe yep. me, I could figure out how to spend it. <laughs> <laughs> you too, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really easily. <laughs> well, anyway, thanks thanks for uh, the information. By the way, if you could keep us updated, Justin, I want to hear more about your story down under in, in Australia. We do have somebody that's uh, looking to come on the uh, podcast. And I know people that are listening throughout the world. Most of our what we concentrate on is in the U.S. A lot of the similar types of things apply to other countries. 
especially your attitude and interviewing and that type of thing. The specifics, though, about the licenses, they are different. So that's why I try not to get too much into that uh, other than having somebody on and answering those questions for me. I do have some resources for licenses overseas, uh, Canada, England, you know, JAA, that type of thing. But those that's not our expertise here as much, so we, we forward those questions on. So, bring you know, send them in. I'll forward them on to the people that I know that, that can answer those questions. So thanks a lot for that question. Second, uh, or excuse me, the next question talks about low-time pilot jobs. It says, hi, Carl. Great job on the podcast. If you haven't already covered low-time commercial flying gigs, could you do an aviation career podcast on the subject? If you've already done it, please let me know about the episode number. Could you comment on how the recent airline hiring trend will ripple through and impact the hiring market for the 250-hour commercial ticket holders? Do you think there may be more opportunity now beyond flight instructing for us low-timers? Your, your podcast like last week was 10 things you, you do or do not do in this hiring climate. On a related subject, I am first-hand victim, quote-unquote, of my CFII getting a regional job recently. I know there must be more, many other Part 61 students who find themselves similarly abandoned. Perhaps the 11th commandment should be, don't just abandon the students who kept you in Cheerios while waiting for an airline job. Help them transition to new instructors. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Gosh, well, th- thanks for that. And that's, uh, we're, <laughs> well, you know what? We'll discuss a little bit about those low time jobs now. Uh, there's a bunch of them. You know, there's banner towing. You can go out and actually do pipeline patrol, delivering aircraft for people. You can go to a local flight school and say, hey, if you got a big enough flight school, I can deliver the airplane. You may even do it for free. I know guys that build tons of hours doing that, uh, delivering planes for a local flight school. You know, for the maintenance annual, that type of thing. Because a lot of times the maintenance uh, isn't actually on the field. They have to fly it somewhere else to do the, the annual, that type of stuff. Uh, as far as the, the trickle-down effect, man, we're seeing it. I mean, some of the flight schools that I talk to, they can't find instructors. The mm. better flight schools, they usually can find instructors all the time. doesn't matter, you know, what's going on. It's just finding the younger ones that are going on to the airlines. It's a little more difficult. But uh, it, it, it is. It's, it's, it's really affecting them. What's interesting is I have actually seen this trend before, and it's happening again now, and this is really, really interesting in that people are actually going to flight school sometimes and saying, hey, listen, I want an instructor who's not career-oriented. I mm. want an instructor who's going to stay with me. Usually at the smaller flight schools, this is more of an issue. Uh, at a larger flight school, you're, you're in the flight school. You're not with a specific flight instructor, so, and you're following a syllabus. So wherever you stop in that syllabus, the next person takes over. And uh, that's actually how I did it. Um, when I left, I made sure that all my students uh, had another instructor. I worked with somebody and said, listen, I'm going to give you all my students when I leave. You're going to make immediate income here. This is where I am in the syllabus. And we dovetailed. And within weeks, all my students were working with this other person. And when he left to go on to his corporate job, he did the same thing. So I think that's what we need to do. We need to pass that information forward. You, ha- you as an instructor have an incredible amount of responsibility to your student. And you want to make sure that you're teaching them and also enabling them to learn now and in the future. And that includes more than just what you're doing in the cockpit with them. It includes also making sure that they get the proper instruction down the road. I tell you, I still get, I still see my students and get questions from my students from over a decade ago. And I, I still keep in touch with them because I still feel responsible for their ratings. And I, and I still look at those folks and say to them, listen, you know, 
what are you doing, you know, now, and, and what can I help you with? Do you need any advice? I, I really think that's important. I know Tom that, well, I know for a fact Tom has kept in touch with some of the students and people around the airport. Yeah, it's all, it's been, and in Facebook's been, Facebook has been great to do that. You know, a lot of students that you know, lost connection with or you kept up with, but it just it makes it so much easier to see what they're doing. And, uh, and I'm sure you've seen this, Carl, where you, you, it's funny because you hear it when you're coming up through this career and then one day it actually happens to you where your student is your captain. you know the tables turned a little bit so uh that's possible yeah you know it's interesting you said that i I, uh, actually the place that i work right now one of the people that i uh, took up as a student when he first started flying is actually going to be the most uh, the number one pilot at the airline that i work wow when he retires at that airline he is so young um, Jeez. Yeah, I was in his 30s and he was a captain. It was amazing at a major <laughs> airline, which is phenomenal. And Good I think that's him. terrific. Oh, yeah, it's great. But you're right. You never know because you're sitting in the left seat and you're looking at the right seat at the person and saying, hey, you know, 10 years from now that might be switched. So make sure you're nice to the person next to you. Yeah. And then I, more than once. And I can attest in the corporate world, it's maybe not so much the captain as it is your boss. I know we, yes. we, we recently have hired and uh, a really sharp kid, and there's no doubt in my mind that uh, I will be working for this, this kid one day. And so it's not just captain, it could be your boss. Yes. And, you know, just in general, try not to burn your bridges. I think that's, that's what we need to look for here is when you're, when you're moving forward in your career, there are certain bridges you should burn, but they're far and few between. If it's something that's bad, obviously burn that bridge. But for the most part, don't burn your bridges because you never know when you're going to need to go back to that person and say, hey, listen, I need my job back. I know people have moved on to the majors and lost their jobs and uh, said, hey, i got to go back to the regional I just left. And they won't have them back because they left on such bad terms. Yeah, and that is a, a, what do they call it, a a C. CEM, a career-ending maneuver in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the corporate world, uh, one bridge can trickle into many bridges very quickly. Uh, yes. and, and, and you're, I mean, I, I know firsthand people who they basically have ended their career because they've burned the bridges in the corporate world, and it's sad to see. Yeah, and you know, we, we talk about that a lot in corporate and in and, and the airlines. It's all the same. You yeah. know, Networking is networking and networking, and that's really important to never, ever burn bridges. And that goes back to your philosophy in life. Always be yeah. nice to people. And, uh, you know, <laughs> my, my mom always said this to me, smile, say please and thank you. And uh, she said, just kept telling me to do that, and it really works. And, uh, you know, just smile and say please and thank you is something that's, that's helped me along in my, in my entire life. It seems yeah. simple, but it, it really does work. And, uh, and truly be thankful for the people you're with, too. I mean, it's just, just phenomenal, some of the folks that you get to, to enjoy life with when you're in this aviation career. Some really, really neat people. Because you know what? You know, no matter how much people tell you this is, quote-unquote, an easy job, uh, it really isn't. And to get to where you want to be is not. Uh, no. You know, people say, oh, I could do that. I, I tell you what, I get in the cockpit, and you think you're a good pilot, go go fly for the majors. All of a sudden you realize how, how you're not mm. a great, or for a corporate department, there's so yeah. many good pilots out there. Uh, so once you get to a certain level, you know, you realize there's a lot of really, really good pilots out there. But Yeah, or you have a humbling event. Yes, you will. Eventually you will. Everybody does, and yeah. you will have that. You know, it's interesting talking about networking, Tom, and, and I think you're going to love this story that I'm going to tell people. I had someone write in and, and doesn't... Uh, doesn't want me to talk about their 
who they are, but they have this great story. So let me let me read something about networking. This is so cool. Yeah. It says, Carl, wanted to tell you about an amazing example of networking that happened to me over the weekend. Having just moved to a new city, I was looking to get into the local aviation scene and hopefully get back into active flight instructing on a part-time basis. You know, like nights, weekends, or after my quote-unquote day job. I found out about a fly-in seminar event this past weekend at a nearby airport and learned it was being hosted by somebody I had attended a two-month training course with almost seven years ago. I sent him a quick note to let him know I'd come say hi at the event. When I got to the event, I met up with him and while chatting, mentioned that I was looking for part-time CFI work. He told me that there were a few people he'd like me to meet, but they were in one of the other seminars right then, so I'd have to wait a bit. I gave him some of my business cards and I, that I just made up uh, and then had lunch. About an hour later, I received a text from someone saying they were with a local flight school that they had been given my card, and was I still there? <laughs> this is pretty cool. After a very brief chat and a quick review of my pilot and CFI certificates, he asked if I wanted to go on a checkout flight right there and then in one of the school planes that had flown into the event. <laughs> well, of course, I said yes. When we went for a short flight, he liked what he saw, and with that, I was hired. Jeez. That is cool. Total time was about two hours, from giving my card to someone I hadn't seen in almost seven years to an interview, checkout flight, and being hired as a part-time CFI. Just the job I was looking for. Wow. I sure didn't expect that by going to the seminar, but it really shows how opportunities can come up even when you don't expect them. So be ready. Just wanted to pass this on, and good job on the podcast. Keep up the great advice. I enjoy listening to each episode wow that was cool that and you know i i think tom has has been one that's brought the whole networking idea to this podcast and it's uh, it's true and that that person there just is a great example of how important networking is and to get your name out there you know you could take his story and apply it to maybe 10 out of 10 pilots i mean we've all got one of those where this person and this person and this person and it got us to where we are. It's so, so critical. And, and it's not just networking. I think, you know, I've been meeting a lot of people lately on LinkedIn, like they've been coming to Phoenix. So I've been meeting up and having coffee with people and, and you can sense the genuineness in all of them, but you know that there's got to be somewhere out there, uh, one or two that, that are simply doing it as a means to get to an end. And so I think we have to be careful when we say networking that we make sure it's, it's genuine. Like you really want to connect with these people, not just for a career, but you know, you're interested in, in their story and what they bring and their advice. And so it's, it's networking, um, you know, kind of twofold. Yes, to help further the career, but really to, to get to meet new people. Oh sure, sure, and that 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 is uh, you know, there's some really good books out there on, on how to win friends and influence people as well. Yeah, and it really is about relationships. It's not about yes, you know, trying to to get pull one over on somebody else, which I hear is a lot from people that read the book, and that's not it. It's a basic philosophy in life, and you really want to learn how to interact. And to do that, you need to get out there and talk to people. Networking, if done properly, is good. If not, if it's self-serving a lot of time, and, and it partially is, of course, but uh, if that's all you're there for, it, it comes through. Uh, yeah. You know, I just did a, a job fair, and boy, I tell you, I could tell 
by certain people's comments and all that. You know, if they if I wasn't the person doing the quote unquote recruiting, then you know I probably wouldn't have been spoken to. You yeah, know I mean, and, and yep, yeah, exactly. You just follow them, and you're like, wow, you know, this person always here is to see me, and that's it. Um, they not ne- doing any other networking or any other questions. But there, there are you know a bunch of people that I've talked to that that's how they've gotten jobs. I've I'm one where I've gone in and said, hey, you know, I want to fly, and I've gotten a job. Another thing that I do, speaking of the business cards, he said. Those things are great. You know, you can print them up real cheap, have your name and number on them to give them to somebody on a piece of paper. I know we all have these electronic devices, but still people want cards. The other thing that I do, and I think this is a great idea, is I always wear some kind of aviation shirt and then uh, start talking airplanes with people. Yeah. And that, it's a great way to network with people just, just out, out of having some fun, you know, networking for fun. In other words, I get to have conversations about really cool airplanes just because of the shirts I wear. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and and that's neat too. Uh, that and you never know where that'll lead you. It really is a- absolutely amazing what can happen to you. Um, as a matter of fact, that's that happened to me with a sponsor of the show, and uh, it just I had no idea. Uh, it came out yeah. of left field. I was talking to somebody about aviation. Speaking of that networking and and having fun, I got this idea, and I want to I want to roll it by you, Tom, and also. By the listeners, I'd like to get some feedback from the listeners, uh, from you that's listening right now. Um, I'm thinking about doing some I, I, this thing called Meetup.com. Mm, they yeah. have, it's pretty cool, and I'm in all these cities, and people ask me, you know, when next time you're in such and such a sh- city, you know, look me up. I was actually thinking of doing something like that, like do a meetup and say, hey, I'm going to be in San Francisco. I'm going to be at such and such a place. If you're in town, let's do, let's get together. Let's go have lunch or just meet up at a, at such a place. And I think of doing that. I think I'm going to do something like that. I haven't figured out how. I know there's a thing called social flight, um, but I thought meetup might be a way to do that. Yeah, um, so that's, any suggestions uh, from you, Tom, or anybody else? Uh, you know, I think uh, there's there's a, a, a there's a, a large aviation podcast out there, uh, airline big airline podcast where the guy does that, and I think he just puts out on Twitter, "Hey, I'm going to be here at this uh, uh, restaurant, you know, at dinner at six o'clock. Come if you want." And I think people do show up quite often. I don't know if it's necessary to do you know the whole formal meetup thing, but maybe some experimentation and testing on the best way to uh, reach folks to get them to meet up would be you know it's worth doing but yeah that sounds that's yeah. a that sounds like a lot of fun you know tom that's a great idea and i i think and i'd love to hear what, what the listeners have to say but you know what i'll start doing is i'll put out on twitter uh it's at flying careers also my uh, more my aviation one at expert aviator um and also if you check out facebook and go to flying careers uh on facebook i'll uh, or aviation excuse me aviation careers podcast on facebook uh, I'll start posting stuff like that, see what happens, and say, hey, guys, I'm going to be here at such and such a park. Maybe we can go and have a yeah. beer or something like that or or just go to the park and talk about aviation, you know, something something along those lines. And one of these days you'll come to Phoenix and we, <laughs> <laughs> we, can, so we can tag team. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's pretty far from Albuquerque, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a funny going joke here. <laughs> I, you know, we fly jet aircraft, so Albuquerque is not far really from Phoenix from the air in a, in a jet, but it's pretty darn far when you're on the <laughs> ground. So it's like northern and southern California are yeah. really far apart. But when you're in a jet, it doesn't seem that bad. <laughs> but yes, Tom, we are definitely going to get together. And, and I'll, I will tweet that out next time I'm in, in Phoenix and, uh, and tell folks that I'll be there. So if you want to come yeah, that would with be me fun. and Tom, that would be a lot of fun. So I'll do that. I'll, I'll try the, tw- the Twitter thing and the Facebook thing, and uh, 
you know, if you want to keep in touch, make sure you go to, to Twitter and Facebook. Just go to the contacts on Aviation Careers Podcast, and you'll find it all there. So, anyway, moving right along. Thanks for that. That was an awesome story. Anybody else has those kind of stories, please write in. That was a really cool one. I like that one a lot. Uh, next question comes in. It says, hi, Carl. Thank you so much for answering my question. This is somebody I answered a question in a previous podcast, obviously. I look forward to listening to the podcast and hearing more. One point regarding your comment about the regionals. I can imagine it's a great stepping stone to other flying work in aviation. In fact, as much as an airline job would be exciting, the more I hear about corporate on the podcast, the more interesting it sounds. Is that what you meant by regional being a stepping stone to other avenues, or was there something else you had in mind? Actually, that is what I meant. Uh, In the long run, I would like to develop a plan around a career, as much as you can in aviation, (laughs) where I can get out of general aviation aircraft as soon as possible and into a role that has an income close to $70,000 a year. I love the fact that he said that. Being very specific about your goal, I think, is very important. Not sure how my age would impact that and how many years that would take, but I will keep listening. If you run across any resources for information, please send it my way. I, you know, that I, I think that's a great idea being specific about the number that you're looking for because it gives you a goal. When you don't have a, a solid goal, you'll, you'll probably won't reach it because you can't hit a target that's not there. And so this is a good target. Uh, as far as the corporate, I think, and I'll let Tom answer this one too. I think that regionals is a good way to build a lot of time because you're going to be flying a lot and builds up a whole bunch of time. Uh, corporate aircraft uh, and corporate departments, I think they like that, but they also like the personal touch that you have as a corporate pilot because, remember, you're going to be really close to your passengers and the people that you're working with. And so I think that's really important. So you have to see that, let that shine through because some people go to the airlines and fly cargo because they don't want to deal with people. So if you're that type of person, hmm, corporate probably won't be it for you. What do you think, Tom? Well, that's what I did. I literally, without knowing it, used the regionals as a stepping stone into corporate. But I, I do know that times were different then. And today, um, I recently uh, had a conversation with somebody I really look up to in in aviation. Um, and they were telling me that they were mentoring somebody else who said, hey, I'd like to go in a corporate career. What can I do to get flight time? And he recommended going to the regionals as a stepping stone. Now, having said that, the key here to in today's corporate environment, I think, is if you're going to go to the regionals to build flight time, fine, but you're really going to need to spend the time you're not flying fostering the relationships on the corporate side because you can show up with 3,000, 5,000, 6,000, 8,000 hours of time in a regional jet and if you don't have a history of relationships with different corporate departments, it's go- the barrier to entry is simply higher uh, because like you mentioned, Carl, it's they really want to see that one-on-one. I mean, I can think back of all the corporate interviews that I've had None of them were technical, zero technical questions. They've always been these uh, events, I will call them, where it was really getting to know you and understanding your personality, your philosophy on life because you have that intimate relationship. So absolutely, you can use the regionals as a stepping stone, but on the down days, go out to the hangars and foster those relationships. So when you have the time, you've also got the connection. That's a great idea. I think that fostering any type of relationship is good in general. You never know where, what, who you're going to come across, yeah. and, and and that is incredibly important. And you know, a good example is the uh, I was at an air show, and someone came up to me, and turns out the person after talking to them to, for a while started the company that I'm working for, 
And wow. he uh, he said, listen, if there's any help uh, that, that I can give you, just let me know and gave me his card. I was like, wow, you know, here's somebody who we had this, you know, fostered this relationship uh, in a totally different area in general aviation. Yeah. And then and then he says, hey, by the way, I started the company you work for. And I was like, whoa, really? <laughs> you know, this that's is crazy. Wow. Yeah, I was like, wow, that's how, how often does that happen? Uh, so that you never know how that, you know what's going to happen there, fostering those relationships. But yeah, when I when I talked about the regionals, I did say that it's a stepping stone for many things. Not to say regionals isn't an end in itself, because there are some really good regionals out there. Sure, I want to yeah. downplay that. And uh, and you can oh, it, really and it's event. a blast. I mean, oh, no, I, yeah. I think I think oh, yeah. it's we have to be careful as uh, uh, you know as we as people new to this career looking at the career is so often you hear the regionals played out and described as this kind of you know. Um, it's just not that much fun. And I had a blast at the regionals. I, I don't know about you, Carl, but I, it was fun. Dude, I, I absolutely loved the regionals. I had so I didn't want to leave. As a matter of fact, it's funny you said that. When I was flying back from San Francisco the other day, I was talking to the guy next to me. I said, man, you know what? I really miss the regionals sometime because I'm looking down at all these cities that were flying over. And I'm like, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> and all these incredible memories start flowing through my head yeah. of all the people I got to visit and the people I got to fly with. And uh, that's what I missed about the regionals is is all those little places that you would never, ever go to, like Victoria, Texas, <laughs> that I would never have flown to unless it was in a small regional aircraft or or any place, you know, Rapid City, you know, seeing Mount Rushmore, those kind of things. It's, it, those are the things that, that I don't think I would have done. I definitely would have done if I went right to the majors and never, never stopped at the regionals. Plus, the overnights are fun. The people are fun to be with. It's a younger crowd. Yeah. Uh, as I've gotten older, though, I haven't been able to keep up so much. So it's kind of good <laughs> that I moved on to the majors. <laughs> but I can keep up with the walking, but I can't stay out till two in the morning anymore. I'm just done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well, thank, thanks for that comment and, and the questions. Uh, and uh, Tom, I appreciate you, you clarifying some of those things for us. Next question comes in. It says, hey, Carl, I just began listening to your Aviation Career Podcast, which I found while listening to Stuck Mike Avcast. It's kind of kind of a theme here, it seems like. Uh, I want to start by thanking you and all of your colleagues for doing such so much to give back to the aviation community. Well, you're welcome. We love doing it, that's for sure. I'm a 29-year-old accountant who recently obtained my private pilot certificate. I was introduced to aviation by some family friends in my teens and have been hooked ever since. Out of high school, I inquired about a career in aviation but was put off by the naysayers who talked about how hard and expensive it would be. I did work at a regional as a ramp agent for about three years, dreaming about flying, but I put my dreams aside and went on to spend too many years in college where I managed to get to graduate with a BA in finance. In January 2013, I was sitting in my cube at my current job, and something inside me said to check out flight training. That is when it all started coming back to me. In college, I worked as a valet with a commercial pilot and flight instructor, and it was pure chance that the flight school I found had him listed as an instructor. Wow. Six months later, I was a private pilot, and I'm hooked again. I absolutely love all things aviation and have to get out of this desk job and into the cockpit. I hear you, man. Out of high school, my parents and I were unable to afford this training, but now I've managed to at least get started. I'm planning on sitting down with my instructor to lay out a plan for getting through my commercial pilot certificate. After that, I really have no idea yet what route I'm going to take. Married without kids and have spoke with my wife about making this dream a reality. She's on board, and I've tried to let her know that it will not be easy, but we'll make it. 
I know this is probably isn't your area of expertise, but is there anything you can add to a relationship uh, to relationships as a career pilot who is new to the industry? I sure can, but, mm. but I, I'm not an expert, but I sure can. <laughs> also, as of right now, I only have about 80 hours. I'm planning on getting the CFI, CFII, for time building, obviously, but also to help introduce others to flying so they don't make the same mistake I have. That said, I'm curious what others' realistic options are there for work, commercial pilots with 250 hours plus working towards ATP requirements. I think we've already answered that question in the previous question, but there there are a few out there, that's for sure. Almost done, but I have a few more questions concerning my degree. Does it matter what degree that my degree is not an aviation-related field in the event that I make it to a major carrier? Also, do you know of any aviation schools who offer graduate degrees? I sure do. <laughs> I ask because I've been considering going for an MBA, but would like to find an institution would also afford the ability to pursue additional ratings. Would an MBA make a candidate any more marketable to an airline? Nothing else. I would like to have it to fall back on in the event that I lose my ability to fly or obtain a medical. Even though I don't foresee any issues, I'd like to have a plan C. Can't mm -hmm. believe that it took this long to realize that it's where I desire to be. There are two other pilots in my family that I always looked up to. However, they haven't always been had great things to say about the airline industry, which is another reason I think I was discouraged as a teen. Even with that, I think I have truly found my calling, and I'm going to be taking the steps to transition from accounting to my office in the sky. Thank you for the encouragement, and I apologize for the long email. I'm so excited. I probably could go on for hours. Well, you know what? We're so excited for you. I think it's that's amazing, your story, and I, I really appreciate your writing in. And, and I know that you're on. You're going to make it because I can feel the passion in your writing, and I, I know you're going to make it to where you want to be. It's not going to be exactly the way you think. Just, just remember that you have yeah. to take some turns along the way. Um, but as far as relationships and the career as a pilot, <clears throat> all right, here's here's the downside. I've, I personally have been through a lot of relationships during this whole career. Um, I've probably been over more than a dozen relationships uh, since I started flying. But with that said, I, I met somebody who um, I got married to, and I, I mentioned right up front, listen, I'm thinking of changing my job to another airline, and that's going to take a lot of sacrifice if you want to hang out with me. And she was okay with it. She says, all right, I'll do it. You know, there was, uh, you know, the salad years. Uh, at the majors, it's only one year, so it really wasn't that bad. It's not like the three, four, five years it can be at the regionals. Uh, but that that was cool. And I, I think in all along the way, most of my relationships I had, people stuck with me except for the fact that um, they can't stand the fact I'm gone all the time. That's a, that's a little bit of a downside. Is that I'm gone so much, but as you get more senior, you can you can change your schedule, and you can also make decisions about your own life, whether you want to live in base or not. Uh, and I think that that changes uh, your scenario and the way you look at the major airline. If you live in base, uh, it's almost like a regular job, and you're home a lot more. Because remember, if you have to commute uh, and you get in real late, you may have to wait a whole day to get home, and uh, that's another day away from the house. So the best thing to do is be close to where you work. I think that's true of any any job. Yeah, uh, it's nice to be close to where you work, don't you think so, Tom? Yeah, I still one of the, my favorite parts about my job today is I drive to work. I still and drive home. I, it, it's just um, after years of commuting, about? it's uh, it, you, it's something you really treasure. Yeah, that that's a little bit odd for most pilots uh, to actually drive to work and then come home. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not, not, not many people have that and that's terrific. I mean, a lot of corporate folks do. It all depends on, on the type of trips that you fly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's really, it's like any relationship, any job, you know, people are in the military, you're gone a lot, that type of thing. Not, not gone as much as the military folks, believe me. Uh, as far as a degree, you mentioned the aviation related field. It doesn't matter uh, what you have the degree in. If you're looking at getting into management with an airline, having an MBA in aviation uh, finance or management, yeah, marketing, that, that might help you. Uh, because, uh, But it could just be in regular marketing and finance. Uh, that, that really does help. Uh, for instance, I do a lot of work in the podcasting and social media, that type of thing, and I've uh, been able to parlay that into helping out the, the folks I'm doing some work with now. Uh, there's so they, that does matter what your background is, and there are schools out there that offer MBAs that also have flight uh, flight schools. But see what's going on now is you see a lot of these courses are online, and you can go to a lot of aviation schools online nowadays and just get your, you know, do all your flying locally. And you know, there's gosh, there's what Everglades University, there's you know Utah Valley, Embry Riddle. It goes on and on and on. There's a, a lot of directories out there for schools. So, no, I, I don't <clears throat> particularly think that the, the actual degree matters. It doesn't definitely doesn't matter at all getting hired as a pilot. Just the fact you have a degree is important. So, yep. that, you know, just, just move forward with that. MBA would be a good thing to know, though, that's for sure. I think it's a, it's a great idea to move forward with that if you want to get into some kind of a finance, et cetera. So. But I would be careful about that MBA getting in the way of getting to the oh, right yeah. seat. You know, don't... Don't become a career student because, uh, it, it, you know, the MBA is great, but it's not going to make a difference when they put you in the right seat. It really won't. Yeah, you're flying an airplane. Uh, you're not managing the aviation department when you're sitting in the right side of the seat of the airplane. So just remember that. It's uh, what's most important is how you can fly and, and, your, and your knowledge there. So def, definitely that's a great point, Tom. Don't, don't get caught up in just, just doing degrees and things like that. Um, there's, uh, there's also, by the way, I have a link. To an article, it talks about uh, what to do. Uh, uh, let's see what you when your <laughs> when your spouse isn't uh, doesn't support your aviation dreams. I think that's uh, I don't think that's really the case here, but that uh, it doesn't support your career dreams. A really good article in Forbes magazine. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. AviationCareersPodcast.com/slash/fifty-eight. You can find it in the show notes there. So definitely check that out. As far as degrees. Uh, if you really want to get an aviation degree, there's really good resource, again, in Flight Training uh, Magazine. I'll have a, a link to that one. And uh, and finally, as far as the naysayers, uh, ep- episode 38 is, uh, you know, I talk about the naysayers. And there's a great video by Arnold, uh, yeah, who, I, who was it by? Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's right, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> he did a video that's pretty good. You know, don't, don't listen to the nay- naysayers in life in general. And that, you know, that happened to me. I mean, I I really was totally discouraged uh, when I started out looking at schools in Florida, especially to get my ratings, because here are all these 18-year-olds uh, that are out there. And here I am, I'm this old guy at 25 and looking at these schools. And then I waited a whole bunch of years later. And there I am, many years later, a much older person finally getting into it. And those 18-year-olds look a lot younger now. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the way it is. I mean, I, I really... I, I think that it doesn't matter whether you're doing, uh, you know, a business, whether you're, you're doing aviation. No matter who it is, there, there's going to be naysayers in everything you do. You know, 
I don't really share this too much as far as my, my business background. Uh, some people say I was an entrepreneur. I, I like to say I was an opportunist. Uh, you know, I've, I've started a couple of businesses and they've done really well. And one of the things that when I started my first really large business, people said to me, how in the world are you going to do that? There's no way you can do that. And what I did is I took all those negative people and and filtered what they said to me, and also I filtered what I said to them. I only shared my dreams with those people that were going to support me. I only shared it with people that would help me move forward in my career. So, you know, I, I said, listen, I'm not, I'm not going to let them drag me down because those people that have all that negativity, it's like trying to swim in the ocean with an anchor around your neck. You're just going to drown right away. So what you need to do is all those people are like links in the, that chain, and you keep pulling those links off, and you let the anchor sink to the bottom, and you can swim freely. And that's that's what I did. And I was able to you know, do by the time I was my late 20s more than most people did in a lifetime. And it, it was just, it, it was, I, may, I, I was just sitting there saying, wow, this can't be happening. But it was happening because my family and my friends that were, were giving all these negative comments, I, I kind of, I said, okay, thanks for your opinion, but I didn't make it go forward from that. You know, Carl, that what you talk about there, I think, is the most important part of this career or even one's life, and that is the people that you surround yourself with. I can think of people, Carl, I'm sure you can too, who great pilots, qualified, uh, you know, type ratings, experience, but they've just not been good at surrounding themselves with the right people. So they've been stuck in their career in, in low paying jobs or uh, jobs where there's no time off or, you know, s- stuck in the regionals when they want to make the jump to corporate. That concept that you just touched on there uh, is surrounding yourself with the right people will shorten the curve in this career, any career, even in life. Well, Tom, I think, I think you're right there. I, that's, uh, I think that, that reiterates what I was saying. But I, I really, you know, we, we hear this all the time when you're a kid. You know, you, you are who you hang out with. Yeah. And it's really true. Um, had, you know, I was listening to a news report uh, just recently, uh, somebody I had gone to high school with. And the news report was talking about how this person, along with uh, this person's children, were arrested uh, for drugs and distributing drugs. And I remember uh, when I was back in high school, uh, these people were involved with that then, and this is going back many years, and actually distributing it. But you know, I, I knew I didn't want to hang out with that, and the reason being was because I knew that nothing good could come of this. And now, all these years later, that person's you know going to lose their family, their job, and possibly go to prison. So you know, that's that was my choice that I made not to hang around with that element. I went towards people that were going to move me forward. And that was a tough choice because I lost a lot of friends. But you know what? Looking back, were they really my friends? Yeah. You know that, that, and that's hard to do. Sometimes it's it's really, really hard to do that. That's for sure. Um, and that's uh, yeah. I got one more question. Then then there's one more thing I want to talk about, and then we'll we'll move on. We're almost to end all. Can you believe that? We're finally at the end of all these questions. <laughs> there's some really awesome questions, by the way. Some of these I can't answer. Here's one of them I can't give a good answer to. Uh, he talks about becoming a pilot without perfect eyesight. He says hi. I wanted to post an inquiry uh, when I heard about the possibility. Uh, great podcast, by the way. Lately, I've decided that I will pursue a pilot career no matter what it takes. I'm absolutely committed and ready to undergo all the difficulties. Only that it's not completely up to me. I have a problem with my eyesight. Namely, I have an astigmatism really close to the limit in the JAA in Europe 
accepts a negative 1.75, and I'm greatly concerned about it getting worse. Do you have any advice regarding my worries? Should I be afraid, or is it something that can be tackled? Thank you in advance. I actually have a, a pretty good astigmatism myself, and that kept me out of a lot of the military flying. I don't know a lot about the JAA. I do know quite a few people that know about it, and as far as those those limitations. Uh, here in the United States, all they want to make sure that you can do is uh, see 2020 uh, with your glasses on. That's all that matters. Uh, it used to be that way when I started flying. Uh, you could only be correctable to say, to get on with an airline. Some airlines were 2040. There was one airline when I was young uh, that said you had to have 2020 to get hired. And then finally they loosened it up. Uh, most of them were saying it was 2040, then 2100, then 2200. So maybe Europe might uh, follow that trend, or the JAA may follow that trend eventually, but not too sure it's going to happen. Uh, Tom, do you have any experience with the JAA? Or should I just. You know, you know I, I don't, but I would say come fly in the U.S. Come yes. over here. Uh, I mean, and it's funny because the gentleman that I'm flying with today is is not from the USA. He's not a U.S. citizen, and he didn't come over because he has an astigmatism. But uh, come fly over here because the rules I think are a little bit more realistic. Well, gosh, you know, I, I think it's tough though to make that decision for someone. We'd have to find more yeah. about your situation, and um, you know, maybe coming to the U.S. isn't an option for you. There are other countries, um, so just look into that. Look into whether you really you can go somewhere that doesn't need the, the perfect vision. Uh, there are limitations to this job no matter what. I mean, there's physical limitations. If uh, you have certain medical issues, you can't fly. Um, those, for the most part, are treatable, um, but there are things that aren't, and that's just the that's just the way it is. That's why when you're starting your career in aviation, best thing to do when you start out is go get your first, in the U.S., go get your first-class medical. Go get your medical no matter what country you're in. Get the, the highest medical you can get to make sure that you can comply with the restrictions. And if you have any possibility of not, uh, start thinking about it. You know, think about, is this is this practical? Can I really do this? I know I used it as an excuse at first, saying, oh, I can't do it because my eyes mm-hmm. and my vision. But I, I didn't really know that there are other jobs besides flying for the airlines. There's tons of different jobs, and you can make really good money with them. So I think that's really, really important. Well, Tom, that, that's the last question we have. Um, of course, people can find us, and I really appreciate all these questions that you send to us uh, by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com and meet your hosts. You know, Take a look at that. There'll be information about Tom. Tom, how can they get in touch with you if they have any questions other than coming here? Yeah, the easiest way is through your site, uh, or they, that will send them over um, to the podcast that I run, the Private Jet Podcast, and on there you can contact me. Uh, my phone number's there. My email's there. I'm happy to talk. And I have talked to some listeners who've uh, you know emailed you, Carl, and you forward them the, the question to me, or they called. And, and yeah, I have no problem. Uh, uh, reach out, and we can talk, uh, email or phone. Well, th- thanks, Tom, and I'm sure they'll do that. And Tom, of course, he'll be back to answer some more questions if you have any especially on the corporate side. He knows knows quite a bit about that, and uh, we can forward them on to Tom. Uh, but just remember one thing. Uh, try to sa- surround yourself with really positive people. I think you've heard that theme yeah. uh, throughout this podcast. Sa- surround yourself with people that are going to help you move forward in your career. Find somebody that can be part of your team, somebody that's going to help you move forward. And then take those people that that you know that are are your those people that are the chains the the links in the chain that's surrounding your neck uh, and pulling you down like the anchor in the ocean and, and get rid of that person and those feelings uh, but you know from more of a an emotional perspective you know if they're your brother your mother whatever it is your father uh, you can't get rid of them in the sense of you can't say hey listen you can't be my parents anymore but just just respect their opinion and say listen this is what I want to do and you have to respect that. 
Uh, but make sure you surround yourself with people, with positive people, people that are going to help you move forward. As a matter of fact, I usually like to end the podcast with, with thinking about one thing you can do uh, to move towards your career goal and, and take what one step. Well, what I want you to do this time is I want you to find one person that you feel that could help you move towards your aviation career goal, one person that can be a positive influence in your life, and go talk to that person. Tell them, tell them about your ideas. And, and if they're supportive, then bring them into your team. Find one person that will be supportive of you and say, hey, listen, I want you to, I want you to help me. I want you to be on my team. I want you to mentor me in, in moving forward in this career, whether it's your flight instructor and you're, you're looking towards them and saying, hey, listen, I want to do this. I want to be a flight instructor someday. Uh, or whether it's your parents, uh, your brother, another airline pilot, Say it's one of the people online, so one of the people that we have here. Find somebody uh, that that we've a guest we've had on. Say, hey, listen, you know, I want you to be someone that that will mentor me, and I hope you don't mind if I ask you some questions every so often. You know, I'm sure they'll they'll want to pay it forward also. But find that one person. It, it could be somebody outside of aviation, and it could be your your tennis coach. It could be any coach, your lifting coach, it, whatever it is. Uh, just find that person, and 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 move towards that person. And say to them, hey, listen. Can you help me move towards my aviation career goal by helping me, by having a positive attitude? And I'm sure they'd appreciate that. Uh, so do that for me, and, and let me know how that works out. Also, if you want to find information about us, it's really easy. Go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. If you, you really like the uh, the show, I'd appreciate you going and visiting our sponsors on the website. Uh, they're the folks that actually help keep bringing this this wonderful content uh, to you. And, and also, I, I want to say another thing is that you know, things have really changed uh, in my life lately. There's been some really positive movement towards my career goal. I mean, it's not over yet. I'm still moving forward. And one of the things that, that's been wonderful, and especially in the past couple of years, is I've been able to surround myself with some really terrific people. Like, and you've heard him on this podcast, Eric Crump, uh, you know, you have Tom Wachowski here. All these absolutely wonderful people, the people, the women air service pilots, people that I can contact anytime that I want. And those are the people that move me forward. And, and that's something that I'm incredibly grateful for. And that's what I think you should do is find out what you're incredibly grateful for and find somebody that's going to help you move forward. And do that today. Do that tomorrow. Get on the phone, talk to them, shoot them an email, and, and just look for words of encouragement. Well, folks, I really appreciate you coming here today and listening to this podcast. I hope it's, it's helped you move forward in your journey towards your career goal, no matter what that is. And just think about that one person that can help you out. We'll talk to you next episode, and safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.